Welcome to the Joint Multinational Readiness Center Train to Win podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Joyce Costello. In this podcast, I am talking with U.S. Army Lieutenant Colonel Elliot Harris and Command Sergeant Major John Bomba from the Vampire Team about the current fires trends at JMRC. Now, Lieutenant Colonel Harris is currently serving as the Senior Fires Trainer for JMRC. His subject matter expertise over the entire fire enterprise comes from his experience as a battalion commander, brigade executive officer, field artillery battalion operations officer, and mission command training program field artillery battalion OCT. He has worked with U.S. and multinational partners in combat and in training. Command Sergeant Major Bomba is currently serving as the senior non-commissioned officer for all field artillery and fire support at JMRC. His experience as a Field Artillery Battalion Command Sergeant Major, Field Artillery Battery First Sergeant and Master Gunner provided him with a depth of knowledge and skill that makes him a subject matter expert in leadership and field artillery operations fighting in decisive action and counterinsurgency operations. Thank you, Lieutenant Colonel Harris and Command Sergeant Major Bamba for joining us. Um, so we have the recent fire trends at JMRC in front of us, and um, let's go ahead and look at the top four. So from what I understand, um, massing fires is a, a trend here at JMRC. We continue to see a struggle with battalions being able to effectively mass fires on the battlefield. And so, you know, as we look at massing fires, I think it's really how we de- define that and really understand what it is we're trying to do. I believe massing fires can be leveraging fires from across the entire battalion or, you know, two battalions or two batteries or even joint fires with with respect to our ability to leverage our close combat and and attack aviation and then also our, our Air Force cast platforms as well. So it's how are we able to do that? And I think a lot of the struggles that we see with the inability to mass fires I would say, are tied to really two things. Um, within our planning process, you know, we make the decisions with where we want to mass to be able to get those desired effects. And so that's really, you know, the planning process is that commander-centric process that allows us to, you know, identify the objectives that we want to achieve against a specific formation and then mass those fires on that. And so that decision has to be made within the planning process. And then the second part of that is, you know, do we have our guns in the right position with the right ammunition to be able to support and enable the massing of fires on those specific targets? And so in order to achieve that, you know, really, again, that goes back to our planning process and how, and how we're building and synchronizing um, th- those efforts. The next thing that really drives our ability to mass is the guidances that we're building within our digital fires platforms. So as we build our guidances within our AFATADs, are we structuring our attack guidance matrix so that, you know, as we identify a 2S19 um, battery, that those desired effects are accurately conveyed and then also processed throughout the system. And so that, that's really our biggest challenge with respect to being able to mass. Okay, sir, so following up on that, why is it important that we mass fires? So as you look at our ability to mass fires, I think the effects of 18 rounds from an artillery battalion impacting near simultaneously on a target 
you know, will create a, a significantly larger effect and have and send, um, you know, our, a clear message. And so, you know, as we look at our ability to mass, you know, ma- massing, you know, really allows us to spread the volume of fires and the rate of fires with which we're going to execute our fires plan out across the entire battalion. If we just choose one battery or one platoon with which to mass, we've now created logistics problems within a platoon or a battery that we that you know might force us to resupply that battery sooner, as opposed to you know through the normal um, progression and normal resupply triggers that we've identified through our planning process. The the other thing, as you look at it from a survivability perspective, you know, every round we fire, the safe assumption is that it's been acquired through some type of target acquisition radar. And so by massing the entire battalion, you're creating, you know, multiple signatures as opposed to one signature that really will get in the enemy's decision cycle and force them to make a determination of where they're going to mass their fires or how they're going to respond to our fires. As we look at, you know, recent trends, you know, about, you know, 9 to 11 percent of the, um, of the missions where a battalion could mass at JMRC um, have resulted in the battalion actually massing. And a lot of that goes back to what I've mentioned before. You know, did, did we have the guidances built into our system and did we allow those guidances to do the thinking for us? And you know, did we accurately follow the commander's targeting guidance with respect to target selection standards and our attack guidance matrix? And so if we're doing that, then, you know, that number should be higher um, because it's all based off that desired effect that the commander wants to achieve. And a lot of times what we're seeing are that, you know, we, we have individuals at the battalion and battery level that are making decisions not to mass. And again, I think it goes back to, you know, either the inability to because our guidances weren't properly structured or we didn't have the right ammunition on the guns to be able to support the target, or um, the last thing is we didn't have our guns in either range or in position rate of fire to be able to mass. And so I think that's really you know, how, how we um, see the ability to mass here. And a lot of this, I think, can be trained at home station training. You know, one of the things you'll probably hear me say a lot is that you know, I think good quality home station training is the answer to a lot of the trends and the challenges that we see at JMRC and really across all of the combat training centers. So if, if we're doing quality home station training where we're reinforcing and, tra- and training, you know, the principles of mass and focusing our efforts on massing the entire battalion at every opportunity, then I, th- I think we build that repetition and that muscle memory that forces us and allows us to do that um, as we're going through a rotation. So, sir, the uh, field artillery battalions um, at JMRC have sometimes remained challenged um, when it comes to respect to the execution of the military decision-making process and targeting. Can you talk us more about that trend, please? Yes, I think so. A lot of what um, really drives you know, our inability to execute the MDMP process efi- efficiently and effectively is our understanding of the process. And you know, I'll talk with respect to how, you know, we're getting through the process and, and how we're executing the process. And then I'll hand it over to Sergeant Major Bomba to talk a little bit more about that. Um, but, you know, as, as we look at the MDMP process, you know, I think, you know, we understand and we know the steps of the, of the process. 
It's really understanding what our inputs are to each step of the process, and then within each step, what actions we have to take to get to those desired outputs of the targeting process. And you know, I think it's important to, to highlight the MDMP process is one of those processes that builds upon itself. So if you struggle through mission analysis and you don't get to a good product with respect to mission analysis, it's going to lead to challenges throughout the entire process. So you know, it's important that we're educating, that we're, again, getting those quality repetitions in that allow us to train the process, execute the process, and know what the outputs are of the process and be able to get to those. You know, as we look at you know, our junior officers that are part of the process and really a part of that field artillery battalion staff, you know, they are the ones that while they're getting MDMP through the captain's career course and through other areas, it's really a self-development aspect that goes along with it. I believe we really only scratched the surface in PME with respect to our, our ability to understand and execute the MDMP process. There just has to be continued repetitions of it. You know, so, so one of the things that I've seen good units do to build depth and proficiency within the MD, MDMP process is be able to train it and, tra- and train it repeatedly. So you know, every event that you're going to do within the Field Artillery Battalion, you know, treat it as, part, you know, as an operation and execute the operations process and the MDMP process as a part of that. You know, we can also leverage our uh, dig- digital simulation centers that we have on each, on, at each post to be able to you know, continue to get that training with respect to um, the MDMP process. And then the, the last thing I, w- I would touch before I turn it over to um, Sergeant Major Bamba is that you know, probably the biggest challenge is being able to plan in a time-constrained environment um, where you know, you're, you've got the friction and fog of war um, and you're being able and you're focused on not only planning, but you're also running current operations. And so I think you know, for a field artillery battalion, that becomes a challenge because we're not necessarily MTO to planner, and we don't have the capability nor the depth to be able to do both things well. So again, I think those repetitions that we will do um, at home station will allow us to be able to execute good quality MDMP as we go into a rotation. And, you know, I'll turn it over to Sergeant Major Bamba to be able to, you know, really allow him the opportunity to expand upon this as well um, because, you know, he has, a, he has a non-commissioned officer perspective that I know he'd like to add. Yes, sir. Thank you very much. Um, in addition to the MDMP process, uh, oftentimes we do not bring the NC. We fail to bring the NCO into the equation um, many times. Um, similarly to what you just discussed, NCOs rarely get any type of training or value training from NCO PDS, Professional Development System. So I think we need to place a higher emphasis on NCO's role in the MDMP process. Thank you very much, sir. So how does targeting play uh, into what you were talking about? Yep, so I I think targeting is an extension of the MDMP process and really um, weaves its way through the MDMP process. Um, but that targeting process is a way in which we continue to synchronize and you know, leverage our f- um, effects and our platforms, that we, our assets that we have um, over time after we've completed the operations process. 
And so, you know, as we look at targeting, there are some challenges and struggles, much like what I talked about with the MDMP, that I think you know, transcend not only the MDMP process, but also targeting. You know, it's getting all the members of the targeting team to understand what their role is in that targeting process. And so, you know, as we look at that, the targeting is occurring at the brigade level. So it's getting the brigade staff and the whole brigade staff involved in the targeting process. And very much like what I talked about with the MDMP, there are some struggles with us understanding what we have to bring to the fight and, you know, how we're going to leverage th- those tools to be able to get us to an output, which is, you know, a target synchronization matrix, you know, a revised target list worksheet, and, you know, the other fire support products that we have to build to that keep up with and evolve at the pace of the, of the current operations fight. And so, you know, as we look at, you know, the challenges within the targeting process, I think, I think there are a couple things that are, are worth exploring. The first is the depth and understanding of the targeting process across the brigade staff. Um, and, you know, earlier I talked about within PME, we, talk, we discuss and we go through the MDMP process. Well, I, I would offer to you that within professional military education at all levels that we don't talk targeting as much as we should or could. Um, and so, you know, what I'd like to highlight there is, you know, our, our, our 131 alphas, they get a very extensive, you know, indoctrination into targeting and how to, to be able to do it. I believe that our 13 alphas, so our field artillery captains and lieutenants, are getting a little bit of familiarization with how to target. Um, but, you know, really, when you look at a brigade staff, it's predominantly comprised of majors across all warfighting functions. And, you know, that's our biggest gap is ensuring that those individuals are educated on the targeting process and what they bring to the fight. And so, you know, we've got to do a couple things. You know, we've got to educate the entire team on what it is the targeting process is about and, you know, help fill the gaps that are created or aren't necessarily identified or addressed in PME. And so, you know, one of the things that when we talk targeting, you know, you've got to do a targeting teach with the entire brigade staff. Make sure they understand really how the brigade is going to conduct the targeting process and, you know, understand what those outputs are of that targeting process. And so I think that's where we start at. It's starting with that targeting teach, which enables that common understanding. After we've done that, then it's really getting those repetitions in. And much like the MDMP process, Targeting is commander-centric process. So every time you get a new commander, you've got to understand how it is that they view targeting, how they process the information, and what it is that you've got to do to um, ensure that they understand the targeting process. The next thing is how are we extracting their guidance from them? Um, And, you know, some some brigade commanders do a really great job of giving, you know, their commander's guidance – and their targeting priorities and the desired effects that they want to see on formations and targets. Others, you know, we have to extract it. So it's really that FISCORD understanding how is he going to pull that information from that brigade commander, and then he's got to convey that to the entire targeting team so that they understand how they're going to enable and achieve the commander's desired targeting objectives. And so that's, that's the most important thing there is educating that staff. If we've done that and we get the quality repetitions in and understand how to do this, then this becomes an easy process. 
The, the last thing with respect to targeting that I think becomes a challenge is once we've done all those things that I just mentioned, then we've got to take all the documents that are revised and refined through the targeting process, and we've got to get those out to the current operations. And you know, we, we struggle to be able to do that. Um, some of it's just based off the time it takes us to produce these documents, and then the, the rest of it is getting is make sure we're getting them out to the current operations floor um, and the ones that are going to execute those those um, effects. Um, so how are we doing that? And, you know, what's the time frame associated with that? So, you know, as um, 7th ATC commander talks about quite a bit, you know, I think there, there are a couple forms to be able to do that. And I think our OpSync is the form in which we get our targeting products out into the into the current operations um, fight. But it takes some time, and, you know, really you've got to have the right players that are a part of that operation sync and understand the importance of targeting to be able to get those products out and, and be able to address them. So you mentioned synchronization of resources earlier. So this this kind of makes sense why some units who come to JMRC are struggling to manage ammo. Can you elaborate on this third trend um, of ammunition management, please, sir? So within ammunition management, units are challenged with being able to effectively manage and forecast the ammunition required um, across the operation. And we talked earlier about the MDMP process. We talked about the targeting process. And, you know, as we're looking at ammunition management within the MDMP process, you know, we really got to, as we're going through, you know, our IPB, develop you know, what what does the enemy look like? And, you know, so what is that order of battle that allows us to understand the number of targets that we're going to shoot? And, you know, here at JMRC, we like to really try to stress that the unit plan for, you know, not only their HPTL, so those targets on their high payoff target list that they, that they want to achieve a desired effect against. So once they start thinking through that, that'll give them a... a um, an understanding of some of the ammunition they need. But then there's also targets of opportunity that will present themselves on the battlefield that might not necessarily be aligned against the HPTL, but something that you you know your commander makes a decision that he wants to ha- have an effect on. So that then adds to our already identified ammunition um, allocation and the ammunition that we need to be able to 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 leverage. And then once you've done that, you know, you've kind of got to think through your, your combat loss. You know, as we go through wargaming, um, which I, I would say is probably just as important as the mission analysis, but as we go through that wargaming, you know, we're going to factor in combat loss, but not only at the battery level, but also at the battalion level. Um, so, you know, there's the potential that, you know, our CTCP um, could, could be affected by, you know, enemy artillery or also by um, direct fire. Same with our artillery batteries. You know, the safe assumption is that, hey, our artillery batteries, because they're shooting, and as I mentioned earlier, they're, they potentially are being, um, you know, detected through our um, through adversarial um, radars. You know, now we have counterfire, and that counterfire can result and generate a loss of ammunition as well. So by factoring in those areas right there, it allows us to identify our true um, artillery ammunition requirement. And so we've got to do that as we go through the MDMP process and the planning process to be able to identify that. The next thing I think units are struggle 
are, are challenged with and struggle with is understanding their haul capacity. Um, so the MTO dictates and allows you know, the vehicles and platforms with which we have to operate. And there's only a finite amount of space um, across both our FSC and then also within our firing batteries for ammunition hauling capacity. And so, you know, we've got to prioritize ammunition and we've got to understand the triggers with which we're going to execute ammunition resupply. Again, I think that's part of the MDMP process where we do that. And once we've done that, then it's, you know, rehearsing those triggers and thinking through those combat configured loads that we have to have to support field artillery tasks um, that, we're, that we're going to be responsible for by phase or by, or by critical event so that we have that ammunition on the guns or at the right place at the right time so that we can conduct a quick resupply. And the, the last thing with respect to our ammunition management is you know, this isn't just a field artillery problem. This is a, you know, a brigade problem. So we have to work very closely with our BSB and specifically our SPO ammo to ensure they understand you know, how we're ordering ammunition, how we're storing ammunition, and you know what that ammunition needs to look like with respect to combat configured loads when it's leaving the the BSA and coming forward to the, to the field artillery battalion. And if we can get them on our team, and we can you know build that synchronization and collective teamwork between the BSB and the field artillery battalion, you know ammunition management becomes a much easier problem. And you know I know Sergeant Major Bomba has has a couple points he'd like to make with respect to this. So. Yes, sir. In reference to ammunition management, a challenge that we face here at JMRC is ammunition replication and the use of simulation or notional ammunition. As evident when units come through this rotation, having actual ammunition is a lot easier to manage um, rather than having notional ammunition. Also, units continue to struggle with a single point of failure when in relation to ammo management. Um, oftentimes, there is only one person in a unit that is actually monitoring the ammunition, and more people monitoring ammunition, more soldiers monitoring ammunition will, like Lieutenant Colonel Harris mentioned, assist the units with their ammunition management. And so Sergeant Major Bomber brings up a great point with respect to who all is involved in the ammunition management process. At the field artillery battalion level, there are multiple people that have a, play a role in this. Um, and who I would specifically highlight are, you know, first and foremost, the battalion S4, or if you're lucky enough to have a battalion ammunition officer, you know, those, those are two of the most important people in, the, in this process because they're the ones that are helping the distro platoon and the FSC understand, you know, when that ammo needs to be there. But the other person that's critical in this is our fire direction officer. And so that fire direction officer working closely with the S3 to anticipate and understand the triggers with which we need to get ammunition to the guns so that we can execute our assigned field artillery task is important. So, you know, really this ammunition management it isn't, you know, a single person, but it's a collective team. And, you know, as Sergeant Major Bomba talked about, you know, that single point of failure, where we see that single point of failure happen at, is at the battery level. Um, you know, that ammunition team chief may be the only one that knows the ammunition on that respective cat or that gun. And so it's got to be deeper than that. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a collective team effort. Um, so at Echelon, understanding the ammunition and what we have on hand 
and how we get ammunition from, you know, the, the division to the brigade ATHP and from the brigade ammunition holding area to the to the combat trains and then subsequently to the field artillery battery. You know, that process is one that, you know, we've, we've got to rehearse and we've got to understand the timing associated with that um, because th these are echelons that are separated by distance. And you know, so getting that ammunition there isn't going to happen immediately. And so, you know, again, it goes back to triggers, understanding those triggers and, and defining those and clearly articulating them so that everyone knows when the ammunition needs to be where it has to, has to be to be able to shoot it. So, gentlemen, how can units better prepare for ammunition management? So much, much like what I've talked about with some other um, key points I've made here, it goes back to home station training. So, you know, as, as I go back to my days as a battalion S3, and I think through ammunition management, it was really the ammunition with which was in the ASP at the time and the ammunition I needed to be able to do my artillery tables or, or whatnot. Um, and so I didn't necessarily build in the multiple lots or, you know, multiple ammunition types or to, to be able to think through those hauling capacity issues or the, you know, the, the multiple lot um, requirements that, that we have. And so at home station training, if we you know, start forcing and stressing ammunition management and stress it at echelon. So as I mentioned earlier, getting the BSB involved in our field artillery battalion training so that you know, they're tracking and monitoring the ammunition that we're receiving from the BSA and that they're also thinking through you know, the consumption reports and the 581 ammunition request um, that have to go along with our ammunition management processes. They're, they're doing those. And so, sometimes I would say maybe the first time we're seeing this is potentially at a brigade level FTX, but really whenever you come to a CTC rotation. And so that's way too late in the game. We should be stressing this, you know, as we're getting into our, our platoon level collective training and then also, you know, platoon, battery, battalion, and brigade level collective training. So it, it's really that continued home station training um, that we have to be able to do. And You'll notice a, a trend that I mentioned throughout this a lot is how do we get better at this is through home station training. Um, and you know, I believe for the four things that we've talked about today, our ability to mass, our understanding of the MDMP process um, to include the extension of the targeting process, and then our ammunition management, it really goes back to home station training. So you know, as we're building and designing our artillery-specific battalion training um, to include our artillery tables, and this is all a part of it. Um, and you know, when you when you look at you know battalion mess, you know, it should be one. You know, it's it's one of the things that we have to do within our tables. Um, and you know, we've got to identify how how we're doing it and how well are we doing it and are we doing it at every opportunity that we have. With respect to the MDMP process, it's the same thing. You know, that's a part of our tables. And again, I think we've just got to continue to str stress it and train it and educate. And we've got to do it in a time-constrained environment. Um, going back to my days as an S3, you know, I felt I had all the time in the world to plan because I would plan well in advance of a training opportunity. Um, and, you know, we'd do MDMP two to three weeks before that. Um, you know, so what's really important is, you know, and you'll see it all the time in the box, we get a good quality repetition the first time around. But when we're in the box 
and we've been doing 24-hour operations for you know six or seven days, and we've got to change the mission where we've got to execute the MDMP process. We we struggle to be able to do that effectively um, because the conditions have changed, and we haven't trained to those conditions. So I think that's what you've got to do within your home station training is change the conditions, and when we feel we've mastered with the current conditions, you know, what conditions can we change to, you know, make the complexity more difficult and get the same result or better results? And once you're able to do that, now you're taking training to the next level. And when you come to a CTC, it should be easy. Thank you, gentlemen, for your time. We look forward to future podcasts about more fire trends at JMRC. And thank you for tuning in to the Joint Multinational Readiness Center Train to Win podcast. Make sure to subscribe to our channel so you can hear all about the forefront of training at combat training centers.